Welcome to Boston Confidential, Beantown's true crime podcast. Boston is a great city, but there's more to it than the Freedom Trail and Fenway Park. There's a startling underbelly to the city, and Boston Confidential will take you on a guided tour of the hub of the universe, Boston, Massachusetts. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Boston Confidential. My name's Barry McGuire, and I'm your host. I'm a 20-year private investigator on the streets of Boston. And I help run a company called Impact Due Diligence Investigations. If you need anything in terms of investigative services, feel free to contact me at Impact. If I can't help you personally, I'll certainly direct you to the right person or agency. Hey guys, welcome back to Boston Confidential. Just wanted to touch base on a few things. We've been getting a tremendous response from our episodes, the two episodes we did on the trial for Sean Ellis case which is on Netflix. If you remember, I gave you an assignment to watch this series and would go over it in the podcast, and that's what we did. So you did your homework, but what I'm going to ask you to do is some extra credit here, I think. Go back to episode three in this series. At about the 26.55 mark, Latia Walker begins her story, and quite frankly, it just survives no pushback whatsoever. At the end of this segment, it's very super dramatic, okay? They fade to black and they say, we asked the district attorney, whatever her name is, she's a judge now, for comment on this, and she denied an interview. Whoa, that's very scary. But the reality is you had a witness right in front of you, Latia Walker, and you never had the guts to even ask her if she touched the guns. She never said, I didn't touch the guns. Isn't that a legitimate question? Not one question for Latia Walker. Honestly, did you touch the guns? She never said she did it. Just so sick of this nonsense. So listen to the second episode we just did last week, part two of the Sean Ellis case. Listen to the episode. Go back and watch episode three of trial four at the 2655 mark, I believe it begins. And watch this with a critical eye. What needs to happen for you to believe Latia Walker is that the Boston Police Forensic Unit took, was somebody took her fingerprints at the courthouse, a police officer, whomever, and then the forensic team goes back and they put it on a gun that's in a field. And that is how this all goes down. That's what you have to believe in this case. I don't believe the technology exists to do that. I don't believe it existed in the 90s. It's just hogwash. And if you find Latia Walker's testimony during this portion to be hogwash yourself, that means Sean Ellis is guilty. It's the end of the ballgame. We received some blowback on these two podcasts we did on trial four. And one of the things that kind of warmed my heart, guys, is I asked for some positive reviews and they came out of the woodwork. I got five-star reviews everywhere. I did end up getting some crappy reviews from some haters just because they don't want to interact with me about the facts of this case. So I just wanted to say thank you to the Boston Confidential community for having my back on this. This case isn't a close call, guys, and it's all based on the facts. Two things can be possible in this trial four case. Sean Ellis and Terry Patterson killed Detective Mulligan and corrupt detectives touch this case. Two things can be true at once, and that's what happened here. 
It's a simple case, and it's not a close call. All right, guys, let's get on to our new episode. If you need to get a hold of me, it's Barry at BostonConfidential.net. That's Barry at BostonConfidential.net. Look forward to emails. Send them on in. All right, guys. This is the sad, sad story of Phoebe Prince of South Hadley, Massachusetts. Phoebe was 15 years old and had immigrated to the United States with her mother, and they settled in South Hadley, Massachusetts. Now, just a little bit about South Hadley. South Hadley is in Western Massachusetts. Some call it Central Massachusetts, but I believe it's actually Western Massachusetts. South Hadley is about an hour and a half from Boston. It's actually farther than that, but if you take the Mass Pike, you usually do about 85 miles an hour. So I'm estimating it's about 90 minutes from the city. It is an absolutely stunning town in a beautiful area. It's relatively close to Amherst, Massachusetts, which I believe is just to the north of South Hadley and Hadley, Massachusetts. And that's where the crown jewel of the Massachusetts education system, the University of Massachusetts at Amherst. It's the main campus in this whole branch, and it's a very good one. It's beautiful. Thousands of students go there. But I think to the south of South Hadley is Chicopee and Holyoke, Massachusetts. And those are like the largest cities around the area, and those aren't great areas. But South Hadley is physically beautiful. But the towns out there have a lot of problems because there's just not a hell of a lot to do in the immediate area. There's not a lot out there. So I think kids get into trouble because there's just not a hell of a lot to do. You know how it goes. But South Hadley, you know, physically and in a lot of ways is like Norman Rockwellville. And it's a beautiful community. I don't know what drew the princes to South Hadley or the rest of the area, but not a bad choice. So Phoebe arrives in South Hadley with mom and she goes to South Hadley High. She's a freshman. And immediately she meets, I guess it's the high school football captain, and they have a brief but intense affair. So this brief relationship on behalf of Phoebe and the football captain seemed to really piss the local girl crew off. And I don't know if you know about modern girls, but they can be vicious. Guys can too, but girls can be vicious in their own way. And I'm going to tell you the story about that, but let me tell you about Phoebe Prince and her family first. So Phoebe moved from Bedfordshire, England, when she was two, to Fanor, County Clare Island. And she lived there until her teens, and then they moved to South Hadley, Mass. There's not a lot of information as to why the move across the pond. And Dad stayed in Ireland, so... I really don't know what's going on with that. There's never been anything in the media about why they came, why South Hadley, why dad stays in Ireland. But they're a private family, and quite frankly, it's none of my business, right? But Phoebe was a beautiful girl, outgoing, loving, by all accounts. She seemed like a nice kid, and I don't know what happened here, but it went off the rails pretty quickly. All right, guys, just real quick, I wanted to give a shout out to Nate Bartels. He does some research for the show, and he does an excellent job for us. He did a lot of research today on the Phoebe Prince case, but on other cases that we've went over as well. So, Nate, thank you very much. 
All right. So like I said, this case seemed to go sideways pretty quickly. It was about November 2010 that Phoebe began having problems with what appears to be two separate groups of people, you know, about a group of three each, and it involves two boys. But something strange happened to me when I was researching this case. I was all along, and I followed along with the media narrative that Phoebe was so relentlessly bullied and all this that she took her life. And that is at least partially true. I'm not trying to deflect on this, but I read an article, actually a series of articles in Slate magazine. If you go to slate.com, it's there, and I'll put a link in the show notes. But there's a story on there by Emily Bazelon, and it's entitled, What Really Happened to Phoebe Prince? The Untold Story of Her Suicide and the Role of the Kids Who Have Been Criminally Charged For. Guys, I want to recommend you read this series, and it, it is a long one, so it does take some time, but it really changed how I looked at this case. I readily bought into the media narrative that Phoebe was really abused each and every day, but you have to go through this with a critical eye, much like we did with Trial 4, and Phoebe is a sympathetic character in this, and my heart goes out to her, but it really turns out that she was a very, very troubled young girl. It comes out in this article that Phoebe had attempted suicide just a few months before over the breakup of her relationship with the football captain, and I'll get into all that. But she was on some pretty severe mood-altering medications, and she was coming off those at the time of her suicide as well. She was really caught up in her parents' divorce separation drama, and she really missed her dad. And I'm so sorry to say this and to have it come out publicly like that from here, but I think you guys have to know she was cutting herself and self-medicating in other ways, but she was a very troubled kid. And let's just get to it. I'm going to give you a little bit of background, and I'll take you up to the day of the suicide. But there's so many moving parts in this. You really have to read this Slate Magazine article, guys. But let me do what I can for right now with all these moving parts. So it's November 2010, and it's the Friday after Thanksgiving. Phoebe had been dating the football captain, a football star, Anyways, I don't know if he was a captain. His name was Sean Mulvey Hill. He was kind of a big deal around campus. But they start dating back and forth. But there's also another girl involved here, and her name is Kayla Nary. And she was Sean's girlfriend previously. They were on and off. And they're not really dating Phoebe and Sean. And now Kayla and Sean are talking about getting back together. I know, guys. Typical teenage drama. I get it. So... The Friday after Thanksgiving in 2010, Sean comes by the house and talks to Phoebe out in the garage for an extended period, and he breaks up with her because he wants to go back with Kayla. And they weren't really dating, but he wanted to just be a platonic friend so Kayla wouldn't get mad. You know how it goes. So at that point, Phoebe takes a whole bottle of Seroquel. She had just been changed medications from Prozac to Seroquel which is another mood-altering medication. So as I stated previously, Phoebe was very troubled in a lot of ways. So she takes a whole bottle of Seroquel and has to be rushed to the hospital. 
and it was a pretty big deal. I mean, this was a legitimate suicide attempt. She took all those pills, and I think she told her mother immediately, but they got her to the hospital in time. But there was some internal damage on this, and everybody was super worried. And I don't know if she should have been let out of the hospital so quickly. So it seems up until this point, Phoebe had been having no trouble making friends. And she did make a lot of guy friends and stuff like that. But everything seemed to be going pretty well at school at that point. But by December 2010, Sean and Kayla were like fully back together. And at one point, Phoebe approaches Kayla and says, you know, I know that Sean probably told you we had sex. It wasn't that serious, that type of stuff. And, you know, it's over now. So there's no need to worry. So... Kayla goes about her business and she later says she thought it was kind of brave of Phoebe to come up and say that to her being a freshman and those guys being seniors and also that she was new in town and actually new to the country. But the male end in all of this got angry. Sean Mulvihill got angry that I guess Phoebe breached his trust and told Kayla and I don't know if this is true and it's speculation on my part. Maybe he speculated that this was Phoebe's way of getting in between this relationship with Kayla. That's kind of what I suspected, some type of gamesmanship here. But they seemed to go on pretty quickly, but Sean did get angry at that time. And don't forget, guys, this comes on the heels of this pretty serious suicide attempt. So it's just a little odd behavior to me. I think as a freshman, you would have just let that go. He's got a new girlfriend, and I'm going to go about my life now. Just a little strange. So guys, I'm sorry. I know this plays like a high school drama because it is one. But in December 2010, Phoebe begins dating another kid, another football player, actually, Austin Renault. And they initially were dating and then just became friends. You know how it is with young kids. They're a couple one minute, just friends the next. And that's how this ended up. But one of the problems here was Austin had a pretty serious girlfriend named Flannery Mullins. And they were kind of the high school couple that were everybody thought were destined to be together. And quite frankly, Austin was described as kind of an angry kid, but who was grounded by Flannery. You know, they say Flannery and her family knew people who could provide some structure for Austin. And I think he needed that because they had mentioned in this article that he was going to be picking up his diploma that summer. So naturally that means summer school. So he's probably not the world's best student, but he's going to get out of high school anyway. So it was around this time that Flannery Mullins, Austin's girlfriend, engaged in some, it doesn't seem to be a very horrible exchange on Facebook where Phoebe's mentioned. Actually it does. It's kind of vulgar, but it's nothing out of the realm of teenage type talk. And it wasn't directed at Phoebe, so Phoebe wouldn't have known about it. But she was definitely talking about her. And it was brief from what I could see if you read the article. It seemed like a brief exchange. I think she used the S word for Phoebe and others kind of chimed in laughing and all that. But it seemed to go away pretty quickly. So the bullying allegations against Flannery Mullins, I think it stems from this. And that's kind of weak. It's kind of some weak tea there. So after that, There was really no interaction between Flannery and Phoebe. So I don't know where that charge comes from, but it's kind of strange. She was pissed off about it. 
I think a teacher overheard Mullins kind of bad mouth thing, Phoebe, like there may be a fight and she gave them both a verbal warning, I think, the two people talking about it. But again, that was away from Phoebe. She wouldn't have known that. And this thing continues on. Now it's December. So whatever problems they seem to be having didn't seem to be an everyday thing. But after Christmas break, Phoebe's world changed quite a bit. A girl by the name of Sharon Cannon Velasquez was 17. And so I guess Ms. Velasquez was a self-appointed hit person for Flannery Mullins. And she goes up to Phoebe in the cafeteria and starts berating her loudly, loudly enough for everybody to hear, I think calling her a whore and stay away from other people's men. So that gets broken up in the cafeteria and everybody could see that Phoebe was physically shaken over this. And then Miss Velasquez took it upon herself to follow Phoebe to another class and basically repeat what she did in the cafeteria in a smaller classroom. So now the whole school knows about what Miss Velasquez is yelling about. And this is harsh, I know, but I think this is about every day at public school in most communities. This happens, you know, once a week, once a day with girls and boys. It's a ton of drama in high school. And I think this epitomizes it. Ms. Velasquez was suspended for two days, but that didn't really do anything to damp down the pressure on Phoebe at this point. So it seems the best I can make out of this teenage drama, there's two sides. There's Flannery Mullins, who is the boyfriend of Austin, and Sharon Velasquez, and they're on Team 1. And on Team 2 is... Kayla, Sean, and Ashley Longie, L-O-N-G-E. I don't know how you pronounce it. So there seems to be these two groups at war with Phoebe. And it seems what little beef Phoebe had with Flannery Mullins, that faded away. But the other one with Kayla, Sean, and Ashley began to flare up again, you know, the first week of January, second week of January, 2010. There was a specific text from Kayla at a certain point stating that, you know what I hate? Irish sluts. And that was the common name they used for Phoebe. Irish sluts this, Irish sluts that. They were horrible to her. There's no doubt about it. But this girl, Kayla, seems to have a particular interest in stirring up trouble in this case. So by this point, it is January 11th, 12th, around there. But let me give you a little bit of list of the cast of characters here. And here I know it gets confusing. Sean Mulvihill is the football star who I referred to at the beginning of this. They began dating earlier, and Sean had tried to break up with Phoebe, and there was some type of suicide attempt. And Kayla Neri is Sean's old girlfriend, so that's how they get on team one there. And then Ashley Long is a friend of theirs as well. So she's on that team. And then there's Austin, Sharon Velasquez, and Flannery Mullins, I guess. Flannery was Austin Renaud's girlfriend. So that's how that came about. And that's all those cast of characters. There's a couple more, but I get confused as well. So that's team one and team two, guys. So around the time that Kayla Nary did that Irish Sluts post on Facebook, Phoebe was confiding in another boy she had met. I don't know what the relationship level was with this kid, but she was cutting again. 
and she appeared to cut herself quite severely above her chest or on her chest, and everybody was concerned about it. So at that point, January 14th, Phoebe goes to the school nurse for this. She says it's a burn from a marijuana pipe, but the physical wound doesn't look like that, and so that makes the nurse very suspicious. And she gets a social worker involved to talk to Phoebe about what's actually going on. So at this point, the school nurse and the social worker want to talk to Phoebe's mom, but Phoebe convinces them not to because she's scheduled to go to Ireland and see her dad, and she thinks that's going to help all these problems, and she doesn't want that to be taken away from her. So Phoebe has a really tough day. So after that meeting, she goes to the library during lunch, and she sat with a girl she was friends with and another senior. And this is when there was a table right next door to Phoebe's that housed Sean, Kayla, and Ashley. And one of them wrote a disparaging thing on the sign-up sheet at the library, you know the deal. Irish B is a C. I'm not going to say it out loud, but Irish B is a C. I think you can read into it. And Ashley's yelling the word whore at Phoebe and close your legs. I hate stupid sluts. This is all from Ashley. And you can't tell me that everybody in school didn't know what they were doing to Phoebe. There was six, eight people in that library there, and nobody knows, no teacher knows. Nobody wants to take on this Kayla Nary. And everybody knows these types of girls. They're just awful. They'll be awful in high school, and they'll be awful when they get out of high school. This article goes on to say that Ashley had a horrible reputation at school, walking by other girls deeming them slut, whore, just for the offense of dating a friend's boyfriend. It's something, you know, she's got no business in it, but she's like the Taliban. You're a whore, you're a whore, you're a slut. I remember them from growing up myself. So this abuse of Phoebe continues for a while, but at the end of the school day, Phoebe encountered Sean, Kayla, and Ashley again outside the auditorium. And several witnesses say, Ashley said, here she comes and called Phoebe a whore. You know, it's just horrible. Sean and Kayla are cracking up laughing, and then all of this other stuff. So Phoebe walks home, and then Ashley, at a certain point, yells whore out the window and threw an empty drink can at her. And Phoebe, you know, broke down in tears as she walked and kept walking. So that was about two hours before Phoebe hung herself. I think this event may have been the last straw in a very complicated life, very complicated and full of a lot of pain. I think Phoebe housed a lot of pain in her short life. So before coming to America, Phoebe's troubles were still with her. And she was going to a private boarding school and she run afoul of the girls there as well. And I believe that incident was over a boy as well. And by the end of her time there, the girls just simply weren't talking to her. So I don't know what role Phoebe's choices and boyfriends and all this have in this high school atmosphere. You know, it's a whole different ecosystem than you would normally think. And when you're a newcomer, there's tried and true methods, you know, and they see a newcomer as a threat a lot of times. And I think that's partially what happened to Phoebe. And here in America, I think what happened to her, she was from a different country, and that was obvious. And she had some success with these girls' boyfriends, and that made them angry. 
And these two groups, A and B, targeted her on different levels. And only three of them were there on Phoebe's last day. Keep that in mind. Six end up getting charged in this case. And I don't think that would have survived even preliminary hearings for a lot of these kids. But I just wanted to relay the fact to you, before we get into the criminal cases, I wanted to relay the fact that I simply think that Phoebe was so troubled, they never would have gotten a conviction on any of these kids. There's a lot of factors that go into suicide. And Phoebe was cutting herself. She was cutting herself since 2008 before she even got to the United States. And she had just had that suicide attempt. And at that time, that first suicide attempt, she wasn't being bullied. She was welcomed at that time. She had the boyfriend, Sean Mulvihill, and he wanted to go back to Kayla. And her telling Kayla that they had slept together, I think that was a bit of a ploy on Phoebe's behalf. And teenagers do this. Adults do it too. That's gamesmanship and dating, right? And I, it's just all of this leads to her death. I think she was just so troubled from the start that it could have been any one of those things. But the bullying was hellacious, don't get me wrong. And the school knew about it. And it would come out later that everybody in the school knew. Kids, administrators, teachers, they all knew. So, guys, I was super surprised to read this Slate article. And, again, I have to suggest it to you again. A lot of this research and the timeline from Phoebe's last day is within the article. I had never heard that. I never had heard exactly what her last day consisted of. And those three people, I guess they should have been charged. I think convictions against all six of these people would have been extremely difficult. But the crew consisting of Kayla, Nary, Sean Mulvey Hill, and Ashley Longy, I believe if anybody is most culpable, it is those three. Those three followed her home. They harassed her earlier in the library. Then they threw stuff at her and calling her whore and all this. And I think that was Ashley Longy. So the other crew, the other three abusers, right? Remember you had these two crews. One was Austin, Flannery, and Velasquez. They seemed to be less culpable in this. They were asked to leave her alone, and they seemed to have done that. But the media exposure in this case was absolutely insane. It lit the whole country on fire. And you probably remember it because it wasn't so very long ago. And it actually stirred and started this anti-bullying movement because the allegations were so egregious. This Slate Magazine article kind of diminishes the accusations of bullying or at least damps them down a little bit. This wasn't an everyday thing. And again, I'm not trying to minimize it, but if you read the news reports, other than the Slate article during this time frame, it was like an everyday thing. And don't forget, she was accepted when she was dating Sean Mulvey Hill, and it kind of goes off track. So this was probably a two and a half month, three month torment for her. And I don't take anything away from that. Those three that were tormenting her on the day she died, yeah, charged them, but they charged everybody with some crazy level felonies after Phoebe's passing. They charged Mulvey Hill and Renard with 
statutory rape because Phoebe was underage. And that's kind of unheard of in the Massachusetts area where people are so close in age, you know, a high school freshman and a high school senior. That happens, guys. I know there's an age discrepancy there, but you can't charge criminally for that. You just can't. And it would have been difficult to prove because nobody ever really said that Austin slept with her. He said he hadn't slept with her. And it's all just crazy. They had several felony charges amongst them, and everybody was angry. I get that. And I just think they all would have fallen apart if any of these cases went to trial. Words alone can't be enough to make you jump to suicide, at least in the legal realm. And this seemed to be more of an everyday thing. And bullying is a problem in all of our public schools, and I think Phoebe got her fill of it. The problem with Phoebe is she was already very vulnerable, and that push, which most kids survive, pushed her over the limit, and she just couldn't take it anymore. So I think the criminal cases against these six kids start falling apart pretty quickly, and when the media attention dies down, they start to dismiss some of these cases. All six kids took varying levels of plea bargains, and nobody went to jail over this case. I didn't think that was going to happen, but nobody went to jail, and they did serve some lengthy probation sentences. I think if you had a good attorney, you could have gotten those shortened, but nobody went to jail. They went on about their lives, but I do have some updates from the characters in this case. Sean Mulvey Hill, I believe it was 2011, was charged with harassment, and it came out that this harassment actually involved a rape. I don't know if he was ever charged in the rape itself, but it was at a local college in that area, the South Hadley area. So I think Mulvey Hill, as this case went on, when he went to trial for the cases against Phoebe, he lost a football scholarship. He lost a lot in this, and I think he's kind of been banging around South Hadley for quite a while, and then he gets caught up in this harassment, rape situation. I'll put it in the show notes. It's just a little disturbing. He seems a little off, that kid. Austin Renaud had been arrested for OUI. That's operating under the influence of alcohol. Ashley Longy had been arrested in 2017 for operating a vehicle while impaired, and she had also been arrested going forward, I think relatively recently, for some crazy harassment, online harassment, basically bullying guys. And she was bullying another woman, saying that she was going to slash her tires and slash her throat. So no real progress on her part there. I think Flannery Mullins was on a podcast with the author of this Slate article, Basileon is her name. And if you want to check out that, you can as well. Everybody else, I really don't know what happened to Vasquez and all that, but it was just a horrible scene. But what's really scary, guys, is I think this is an everyday horrible scene in high school. And don't believe for a second that the teachers don't know who's being bullied. They know. They know every day. They knew Phoebe was being bullied. Also, though, they did. They tried to help Phoebe. The school did do something. They did get her a counselor, a social worker, and they were working with her. They didn't abandon her, 
but what can you really do? These kids are nearly adults. These seniors next year could be in the Marine Corps or working on the fire department. These are grown men and women almost, and you got to start treating them like that. I don't know what the solution is. Sometimes I think having kids like freshmen and seniors together, it's just too much of an age differential there. So I really don't know what the solution is. I'm not going to BS you. I don't know. Bullying has been around forever. It will always be around. Schools have to do a better job, but you have to teach your kids to be resilient as well and fight back. Don't let anybody push you around. The one thing I keep coming back to in this case is Phoebe. If she could have just gotten through that final day, right? Those kids would have graduated and now she's on to another bunch of friends and life gets better. Get out of high school, go to college. Nobody cares at college. You could have blue hair and horns sticking out of your head and you're going to find a cohort group in college, guys. Get through high school, put it behind you. And I think Phoebe would have really excelled. I just really do if she could have gotten on the right medicine and with a good group of friends. Man, it's all such a waste. Such a waste. But all right, guys, I'm going to leave you there. That's a sad, sad story of Phoebe Prince. And do Phoebe a favor. Be nice to somebody today when you hear this podcast. Go out of your way to do somebody a solid, you dig? All right, guys, I'll see you on the flip side.